Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. We are live, Pitch Tech Asia, powered by Asia Tech Podcast in the studio in Singapore. My name is Graham Brown, joined by Xiaoyin Sheng. Xiaoyin, welcome. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Hello to you. Thank you for joining us today. You're going to tell us about your journey and reset? Yes. Okay, so we're going to go there, learn a little bit about your um, journey to startup entrepreneurship as well. And interestingly, you know, you are a lawyer by training, correct? Yes, I am. Right. I still am a lawyer. Oh, you could, of course, yeah. <laughs> of course, you still are a qualified lawyer, yes. but you're no longer practicing law. No, I'm not practicing private practice. Okay. Yes. So, um, do you, tell us a little bit about your, your background before you started Reset. What were you doing before you started this company? So I'm uh, one of the typical corporate dropouts. Yes, we like corporate yes, dropouts. Yes, I know. Here. I heard your hashtag yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so corporate dropout after seven years in the corporate world, started as a private practice lawyer for four years and um, couldn't sustain a lifestyle. Mm. So I had to take one year break. And I did my own social enterprise, which is another one um, related, nothing to do with law or tech or anything is a um, music business. Mm. <clears throat> but of course, you learn your lessons along the way, how to run a business. And it was quite a challenging uh, experience, but a lot to learn. So after failing it and going back to the corporate world to kind of make up for the failure, uh, for three years as an in-house counsel. Mm. I I was very fortunate. I was able to join a JV that is looking to the digital and online space. And I learned a lot about the startup. I um, also got a lot more training in the business side of things. So uh, after three years in that, I kind of started to itch again and want to do something myself um, that has a little bit more meaning attached to it. So that's what happened after seven seven half years right tell us about the music startup that you're involved was that your idea that was my idea um pretty much inspired by my love for music yeah but i also recognize that you shouldn't just run a business for passion yeah right um, you should play an instrument maybe <laughs> i started with play an instrument in fact that is right. how i got to know the industry so yeah. i was a musician what time i, what were you I played a violin classical okay. violin and I used to perform a lot since I was in school mm. um, as a classical violinist, uh, playing for gigs. And I got to know the industry pretty well. That's how I got into the music uh, mm. industry. Mm. But uh, the, the concept we had, I really, I really think is a great concept. It was uh, about the music salon. So it's a concept about having curated music uh, programs in a space that is cozy and um, you can curate um, with quality experiences and give the stage to young musicians to perform. Mm. Um, I was very passionate about that. It's not really a scalable business model. Um, so after a year of trying that out, um, I do not see the long term in the business. Mm. And also the fact that operationally, it is actually all about operations. So um, I'm not very experienced in operations. Neither was my then business partner, so it didn't really work out. Yeah, yeah. great lesson learned. Though. Yes, I and know. Maybe cheaper than an MBA, possibly. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on where. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, but you're back. So you're back in the world of entrepreneurship. Yes. You didn't let one failure put you off. And by the way, every successful entrepreneur has many failures behind them. And yes. That's just part of the process, right? That's right. You're back here. You have now um 
a new startup, well, new edition that you've almost a year, it's like eight, nine months you've been going. Tell us a little bit about Reset and what you're now working on. Yeah, so Reset was an idea that has been around for a long time. It's not just uh, the eight months we have been working on it. Mm. Before that, I was uh, working with a legal clinic as a volunteer lawyer for two and a half years. And that is part of me balancing out my corporate job with more meaning in what I do. Mm. Um, so the idea came about from the legal clinic experience. And I see a lot of people who need help, um, not just in terms of information, knowing what their rights at law, but more about the emotional support and the pain they were going through. Right? They were not really getting the support they need, the counseling and the follow on from those uh, consultations. Mm. So I thought that, can I use um, my expertise from different areas, put it together and make some kind of help more scalable than just a one-off 20-minute legal consultation session? Mm. So that's where the idea started and it was meant to be focused on the pain, the pain in the relationship and how do you lessen the pain. Mm. But we realized that many relationships could benefit from help and you don't have to wait until the stage it is so distressed to give help yeah so it could be more preventive and actually you're addressing a bigger market you are um preventing problems from even happening in the, in the first place so that's how the idea of reset kind of morphed along the way to become a more i would say wholesome preventive and uh, cute concept mm. uh, compared to when it started which is more painful more serious mm. and more on conflict resolution so the the, yeah. the genesis of it was conflict resolution which eventually yes. there was a conflict between two couples couples yes. right and that then degenerated to a legal conflict yes. at some point and that's, that's where right. you had contact with these people so yes. you saw like the you know the very sort of painful part of yes, the breakdown exactly that, yeah um what you're saying is if you sort of moved that up upstream a yes. little bit you could have avoided maybe getting it to this area right yes so, hopefully okay yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we're going to have a look at your pitch deck and talk about Reset and what it's about. Mm. Um, but I'm always curious as to the why behind, you know, what makes somebody start a business. And the, the language you're using, and forgive me if I'm out of place, is not the typical language of a lawyer. You know, no. when you're talking about emotion and pain, yes. because, to, you know, if you're a successful lawyer, in many ways, you have to kind of push that aside, right? You have to not get personally attached. Yes. You sound like you're quite personally attached to these cases. Um, I guess I'm not wearing my lawyering hat okay. now. <laughs> I, in, okay, I don't... Okay, maybe, yes, in our professional capacity, we need to detach ourselves and look at problems very logically. But I don't think that lawyers are not human. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, emotions is something that everyone experiences, but maybe in different ways and in different perspectives or extent. But it's just that we, some people are more expressive and more mm. in tune with how we feel and others may be suppressing it or detaching from it too often that yeah. it become a habit. So um, I, I think when I'm doing reset, the personal discovery is also one part of the journey where I start to really um, mm, discover my own emotions yeah. and also to recognize the emotion, emotional aspect of things rather than just the logical uh, processes, conclusions and analysis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely right. You're a human being like the rest of them, right? Yes. So, And let's see how you can apply 
the skills and the knowledge that you've built up as a lawyer to what you're doing here now because they all I think it's highly complementary in some way yes. so we'll, we'll discover a little bit when we go through sure. the pitch deck as well yep. maybe we can start shall you by looking at the market itself that the market you're in and in your pitch deck if I can dive in and just fast forward a little bit there is on slide um yeah we just sort of get in here to slide six um so we've got a couple of slides here about the market size um Lovebury market size. So you can explain a little bit about what Lovebury is and also um, the market size, Singapore, Hong Kong, etc. Um, there's a lot of data coming out here. So help us understand what market are you playing in? Right. So, okay, first let me explain Lovebury a little bit more. Um, Reset is a, a, a more philosophical, I would say, concept about how do you press the reset button in your life right. um, when you are kind of facing a lot of problems and we are talking about emotional problems and uh, also to some extent mental health. Um, Love Berry is just one very focused aspect of it and it is basically the name of our baby app yeah. which we, we plan to launch in May. Um, it, it, it is purposely named uh, Love Berry because we want to focus on the antioxidant effect of it in love focusing very much on couples in committed relationship. Mm. So there's a unique, I would say, positioning of uh, this uh, product we are doing under Reset. Um, and when we are looking at this market that you have on the slides, we are looking at couples in committed relationship. I know there's a lot of buzz about dating apps and all that. And people say, oh, you are an um, app about relationship. Are you a matchmaking app? You know, that's the first question. Mm. Um, but we do realize that at any point in time when you cross-section the market, you see that more than half of the population actually are in a committed relationship. Yeah. Right? Yes, there's a lot of volume going on in the dating scene, but... A lot of noise, maybe. Yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, attrition and all that. But if we do look at people who are in the relationship and you can help them to make it work and make it better, mm. then perhaps... You won't have so many people who are in the dating market. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is that interesting <laughs> crossover between yes. the two, right? Yes, okay. exactly. So help me understand the, the problem here. So as I understand what you're saying is that this is aimed at people who are in relationships. Yes. And human beings have problems. That is yes. the nature of being alive, right? That's right. Okay. So you're going to have any kind of number of different issues in a relationship mm. so your app and the other services that you're offering i guess in as you build are aimed at those people and helping them before it really breaks down yes right so why why and how could because surely how can an app help with that how can an app help me and my wife have a better relationship Exactly. I think a lot of people have questions about the how and the fact that it's an app may not sit well with some people who feel that we're already spending too much time on yeah. a phone, right? Isn't and the phone the problem? Yes, sometimes it is, right? Yeah. Um, but what we do acknowledge is also the fact that we cannot reverse a trend, for example, mm. of digitalization of people using the mobile. And this is a trend and more people are using it as the tool to assess information. And we, instead of resisting against it, maybe we can also work with it to promote the info, right information to mm. the people who need the help. So that's why we want to do an app. And then about the how, of course, there are many, um, I would say, details on what is Loveberry totally about. Um, definitely there will be information 
And we are not talking about the information you Google. Um, mm. We are talking about curated information from experts. So we partner with a panel of experts, psychologists, counselors, who can give you the right framework to work with when you are facing an issue. And that is more about also bringing the awareness to the problems mm. and how to think about them, how to feel about them. So that is one offering that we want to deliver through the app. But more than awareness is how do you help people to take action uh, about it? And that is not that's the not so easy part. You can learn about all this, you can read all these books, but you may not practice what they preach. Right. So the incentive, the psychology, and how do you get people to actually do something about it is what our app want to achieve the greater um, offering and. What we do is that we do have features which we focus on uh, the utility of the features and how does it make, for example, the problem of communication. How do we make communication easier between the couple? And how do we facilitate better um, exchange between the couple? Mm. So this can be done by some of the features that we are putting in the app, whether through design or through an application of technology. And then we are looking at also how to create the right incentive system, the psychology behind uh, people taking action and how do we incorporate it into the design of the app such that people will want to come back for one reason or another to use the app to mm. in their daily life. So it's not about just using it like a game online, but it's more about integrating it also with their offline experience. Mm. So it sounds very abstract now, the, the, these well, three things. have a look at yeah. The, your your mock-ups for the app here okay. and then we can actually see some and bear in mind some people are listening rather than watching so maybe have a bit descriptive as sure. well so if we can sort of jump back on the, the pitch deck um so what you see is yeah, a very sketch, very yeah. preliminary concept and is uh, really outdated as we have recently uh, uh had the fortune to work with one of the design giants uh mean labs who, who are also investing in us to do the UX for us. So mm. we are very lucky. So this is the outdated version. So basically, uh, you, you still don't see much from that. It's more about, sure, there's information, there's programs, there's events, there is um, some kind of features you can use. Um, but the details, I mean, okay, maybe I would just use one concrete example of yeah. a unique feature. Yeah, please. We are going to build, yeah. So one of which is a wish-making feature. This is addressing the specific problem of communication between the couples. So sometimes we have our needs and desires or expectations and we don't know how to express it well and we don't know how to receive it well as well. Mm. So that uh, becomes a source of conflict between the couples. Of course, all this I'm saying come from our research in the, into the market to know what is the, the crux of the problem. So in terms of communicating expectations, for example, if your, your other half wants you to take her out on a date... And she tells you that we haven't been going on a date for a long time. You need to bring me out on a date. Yeah. We have to do our romantic, you know, date. Um, it may sound like a request, a demand. And when you are performing it, it kind of takes the incentive away from it as well because you feel obligated yeah. and you feel not appreciated even if you have done what she asked you to do. So how do we want to make this uh, communication better? So through the wish-making app, basically the app becomes the intermediary. And when one partner uh, makes a wish about something, mm. the app will be the intermediary that intercepts the wish, package it in a way that is more attractive, mm. and 
um, notify or you know suggest the, to the other party um, about this wish. So um, and and in the process also incentivize the other party by saying, okay, if you do this, you get this reward and that. And why don't you consider this? You know. Yeah. So there's a lot more dimension to communicating about that wish. And when the party performs the wish, of course, we also package the response in a more pleasant manner that is communicated to the other party. So by ha- having this intermediary level, I think it will help to reduce the friction mm. in communicating about certain demands and expectations. So there's one feature that we will have in the app for couples who are both using the app. Of course, the app can be used by individuals as well just for information and learning. But for couples who are both on the app, and we we can we can let them uh, benefit from this uh, very interesting feature. Yeah, I think I need it. I think we need it. <laughs> me and my wife, and we've been together for twenty years. So um, I, I sometimes feel that. I mean, it's just interesting to see how this plays out. In an example is that sometimes when you say something or she says something to me, that it's done emotionally yes. and a bit pointed. Yeah, and. Like for example, uh, you haven't taken me out. Like your example, you haven't taken me out on a date for two weeks. Yes. Luckily, twenty years in, my wife's not asking me that anymore. But maybe that's the problem, right? So she might say, "Oh, four weeks we haven't gone out and had lunch together yeah. because you've been really busy and I've been really busy." But the way that you say it might be just a little bit pointed. I might be busy at the time. It might be in the middle of something. And yes. Her language just it triggers a response. Yeah. And there's that. There's like. These patterns that yes. have been sort of embedded for twenty years, yeah. you know, when somebody says that, it triggers a response which yeah. is almost uncontrollable. So yes. if there was like an intermediary, yeah. like a little fairy yeah. that sat there and said, "Oh, hang on a second, Graham, just let's take your words. Let's sort of, you know, you don't want to say it like that. Say yeah. it like this. Yeah. I'm just trying to work out how this app actually works. How yes. would that work in this instance? For example, if my, you know." Let's say my wife hasn't taken me out for lunch for four weeks, and、mm. I'm a little bit feeling like I'm left out. Yeah. So how would the app work for me there? So the typical journey will be the user will go into this feature, and you will be able to indicate what is your wish, whether it's in the form of a predetermined list of wishes that you can choose from with some customization. And then we, the the at the genie or the fairy will package it in a different way, and even maybe curate and randomize it so it doesn't feel like a, a task, right?、Mm. And it will only be communicated as a at a random interval in this in a in a different、uh, context, and then、um, y- you you. But you do see the wish you have already made, and then the other party also see the the wish that they can grant. Right, and they can choose to grant this、mm. um, in in by by indicating our grant this wish, and again the response will be communicated in a different way.、Um, so there's a lot of, of course,、uh, the scripts and all that we we go in the in the back end. How do we?、Uh, and the, also the scripts will uh, be um, I would say curated by our experts on what is the right way to say things or put things in context. So.、Um, We wouldn't say it's always the right response or the right way to communicate, but I think at least it's a so-called better way、yeah. um, to 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 help with the communication and a bit、yeah. of、uh, introspection as well. Yes, like, sometimes I think a lot of communication is like a reaction. Yeah. So if there was something in the middle that、yes. just kind of like you know, balance things out a little bit, yes, it would help a lot. Definitely. Okay. Yes. So. 
I'm interested, um, before we have a look at sort of the journey of Reset and, you know, looking at where you are and where you're going to be in the future, I'm interested in your hustle. So you said you spoke to users about this. Tell me a little bit about, firstly, who you spoke to, how many people you spoke to, mm. how did you find these people? Did you knock on doors and talk about this or these people you knew? Mm. And also what you learned in the process. So, you know, mm. having spoken to people, maybe you think a little bit differently about the problem that you set out to solve. So tell us about the, the Xiaoyin hustle of reset when you went out there and said, this is what I'm building. Tell me about, you know, your challenges. Yes. I, I think the idea when it first came out was quite different. So I went to actually all my friends, uh, mostly in the legal industry, but some are in, I would say, in the investment startup world and to ask for their opinion about the concept of reset. Mm. And I did get a lot of uh, feedback, especially on the positioning because initially it was really about uh, divorce and mm. the pain and mm. how do you resolve the conflict so uh, positioning is one thing how do you promote this uh, application uh, how is it going to sit well with the public um, policy and also in in this part of the world is still quite a, an issue to talk about mm. it openly and promote it openly and then also about the market how big is the divorce market even though the trend is rising how how big is the market in terms of actual people who will use this service right and compared to of course the offline lawyers and mm. what they are doing so that has kind of helped me morph the idea a little bit more and grow it and then of course uh meeting my co-founders and going to tech conferences is also quite interesting you speak to a lot of people and then you get inspired on different strategies from different industries different companies and then you see how i can actually use the best uh, things i know and put it into one thing mm. i'm doing so that's how the idea also grow in terms of why do we want to do the online offline integration the psychology behind things gamification incentive and blah blah and then uh, we did our market research, so we actually did surveys, of course, uh, the traditional way of uh, finding out from couples what their issues and uh, not just relying on public statistics. Of course, there are those available. We did our research there too. So we, I think we surveyed more than uh, 120 individuals mm. and uh, Singaporean in our target demographic. Then we got the response. We, we do a data analysis based on the results of the survey. And we see that the most important or crucial problem is communication. And about 70-80% of the couples surveyed um, have issue with communication or wish to improve on it. Of course, communication is so broad. There are so many topics you can have problem communicating about, including mm. money, including even passion, you know, your intimacy issues and all that. So there are also different subcategories of needs and problems that we are trying to tackle. Then that kind of inspire us in what we want to create. Um, what solutions are we offering to these problems mm. in the app? So that is um, also the basis of our thinking. Then again, we have been uh, pitching a lot. We have been talking to a lot of people about our ideas and a lot of them are could be our target users, even though they were wearing a different hat at different point in time. So people like you also yeah, sharing absolutely. your own personal experience. Yep. So we learn so much from all these personal stories and people like, yeah, I would totally use this. Well, I don't know if I would use this function. I'm not sure about 
this part of this function, whether it will work, you know, mm. and then that's where we kind of also refine the thinking behind our, um, the, the details of our features and how we're going to put, put them. Uh, and even whether to include it in the first place or not, is it necessary? And then we also had our UX team who is helping us with, well, with all the, the uh, who is confirming also what we have found out so far, at the same time helping us to refine our features, the journey, and how the user do that. So that's mm. the whole app design part of things. Yeah. 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 So so I understand, you started out primarily as an app for divorce, the divorce market being that evolved. The, that's yeah. where you started. And then yeah. you, after a number of conversations, you sort of... M evolve that to something more about communication which is a bigger problem right? yes that's right between couples yes is it only between couples or? so okay reset initially if you look at the way we spell it and we capitalize the letters yeah it's regarding settlement um that was the initial intention and of course to reset the the status mm. um so divorce was one of the initial strong uh offering that we wanted to look into but um as we grow our idea, we also realize that actually we are all about emotional well-being, mental health. Mm. And there are so many, um, I would say, aspects of life that uh, contribute to your state of well-being. And relationship is a key part of it. Romantic relationship mm. is especially close to heart. But it's not only the only aspect, right? Relationship with your colleagues, for example, with your friends, with your family, um, are also very crucial in your state of well-being. And we hope that in the future we will have the bandwidth to tackle all these problems yeah. as well. And in different ways, probably not a B2C app for mm. family or for colleagues. You know, it will be a different approach. And in fact, that's why we are also looking at a B2B part of uh, offline corporate wellness programs uh, for people at work. So it's called Reset at Work. Mm. At the same time. So that is also about how do we help people who are stressed out at work, communication with their colleagues and relationships. So there are so many aspects of relationship. And uh, I would say the B2C Love Berry is only addressing uh, what we think is a very, very attractive problem that we really want to solve mm. first. And then we will look at how do we grow that even more. So if you take Love Berry, for example, mm. as one um, solution within your portfolio, yes. if you like, of the yes. Reset portfolio, what is the the DNA of that that is this going to be the same with corporate wellness or what is it is it all about relationships or is it about you say like mm. mental well-being for example just trying to get to the bottom of that because that what does then reset stand for mm. what is it like a different way of viewing how to deal with the challenge of relationships in the modern world or or how we interact with other people and so right. on so I guess the underlying thread or the philosophy behind this collective is on the topic of how to improve your mental and emotional well-being. Mm. But um, I would say the approach is very different, but what we are still consistent in what we offer is firstly the curated advice and information. That's something that we, I think we are quite unique in what we offer. We have uh, experts from different backgrounds on the panel and we can offer a more holistic and quality and curated professional advice. And the other part is, of course, leveraging on technology um, in all the things we do, even including the offline B2B 
corporate wellness program, you need to measure, you need to know whether you are being effective, what solution you're offering, and how do you measure? Of course, it's from the data, right? Mm. And whether it's in the development of the app or even in the offline program where we propose to uh, curate for the company, for their employees, we want to measure the effectiveness and of this holistic program that we are producing. So um, we do have a very solid C- CTO who is able to help us with the data part, the back end, and to curate, create a whole measurement for the future in the long term. Yeah. Okay. Great. Let's talk about your team then, now that you've brought them up, and also a little bit about the stage where you are in terms of building the MVP as well, putting mm-hmm. that out there. The, the last few slides, um, just going to jump f- around a little bit on the pitch deck, but those that are listening to slide eight, we're going to have a look at um, where you've been up to now. So this is some of the conversations that you've talked about. You say the market interest test, so the people that you've talked uh, in terms of the feedback on the MVP. Yes. Um, numbers wise, it says 800 monthly MVP web users yes. during the, the test phase. So th- this is all the conversations we're talking about now, the, the mm. feedback and the research and so on. Um, you've got some interesting data in here about the business model as well. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit about that. And you've projected total revenue already for 2020. So, um, justify yourself how how did you get to these numbers i mean 25 million there it's a bold statement let us understand that a little bit yes um i would say okay for startup the numbers is really quite people would say it's plug out didn't it right how do you get that number but of course we make certain assumptions whether some could be uh, uh reasonable some could be a little bit more optimistic but generally, I would say that this number is based on a really, really rough estimation or based on the market size, the market share, and how much we are expecting per user of the app um, in terms of the value. Then that's how we got the number. Mm. Um, so it, if you look at okay, our business model, maybe I'll explain a little bit. We are still in the process of fine-tuning or optimizing the different uh, monetization parts of the app. Um, and some of which... Uh, it could be more like a membership, a regular kind of stream, some of which are in-app purchases. But so it's very hard to really estimate what is the value of per user. But if you look at, if we look, assume that uh, each user of the app in a month will spend about $5 mm. um, in uh, in the app on whatever, right? And then if we multiply by the user base and all that, that's how we get the estimation. Okay. Um, e- a million users? How how will you acquire a million users? I mean, that's going to be tough to go out. I mean, any, right. like any, anything to a million is tough. Yes. So what's your sort of, you know, strategy? Mark, yeah, subscriber yeah. acquisition strategy. So, okay, this million is for across markets. So it's yeah. not just Singapore, right? Uh, Singapore, we are looking at uh, 200K mm. uh, by 2020. Um, the strategy of going to market, we are not at least not now, flooded with a lot of marketing money to do like B2C kind of marketing. So we are looking at very creative ways how we can do it through partnership, how we can do it through um, even leveraging on the B2B part of things. How do we build the critical mass first through the B2B and then introduce the B2C element to things. So these are some of our different ways of approaching the market. And we are also social enterprise in the race, so we do get a lot of support mm. from the social enterprise uh, and the government-related community-driven initiatives 
which could be a good way also to reach out to our market and also to achieve the social impact that we are pledging mm. to achieve. So mm. that is uh, one. Do you have a, pl- a pledge out there in public? Tell yes, us about yes. That. We do have a pledge to achieve a uh, certain kind of uh, matrix on social impact. Yeah. So for race is to achieve 20% uh, or rather to benefit, 20% of our users should be from the beneficiary uh, groups from uh, the defined categories of beneficiaries right. with race. Right. So uh, those are the groups of users that we may reach out through community centers or charity organizations to provide our platform mm. to them uh, to make it more accessible to them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have a pledge out there. You are... Um, well, I mean, let's see how it goes. You're, you're yeah. going for a million. And I think, like you said, the corporate market might be, I mean, you're building a two-sided market there. You've yes. got the, the consumer market, which is obviously, um, you know, that is an expensive market to educate. Yes. But once you're in, you're in. Yes. And the corporate market, you know, with your background as well and your relationships as yeah. well, it sometimes is easier to get in yes. and then you can get a thousand users on board at once. Right? Yes, that's so right. So there's a lot of focus now on corporate wellness. Yes. Large corporations um, are... Un- waking up to, I think, the yeah, need for this, not, right. not just as a sort of a CSR thing, but also in terms of employee satisfaction yeah. and ultimately profit, yes. because it, it does have an impact on that. And exactly. I think that, you know, especially if you look at some of the large corporates, multinationals, the challenge that they have is retaining talent. Mm-hmm. You know, if you work in a bank, you know, um, and you, you could go and work in a fintech startup, for yeah. example, which is more yeah. exciting and, you know, maybe more flexibility in working hours. Yes. The challenge for these corporations now is retaining the best people. Mm. And a lot of it comes down to wellness and mental well-being, right? You yeah. know, I'm really stressed here. You know, I'll take a pay cut just because, you know, yes. the stress levels in my work and so on. Exactly. So you wonder how much that for a corporate is worth in terms of leakage, you know, like the the amount of money they lose from losing their best people, right? Yeah, they are increasing the amount of uh, focus and attention on that. And also we see data or statistics about the estimated value Mm. that is lost from not taking care of your employee, not just on the physical wellness level. We do see uh, corporates focusing on physical wellness, but not so much on Mm. the mental and the emotional aspect yet. Right. So they would have a yoga class, for example, but not anything like this. Yeah. That is very interesting. Let's talk about your team then. Um, who's behind the project. So if we can jump into the, the pitch deck and look at slide 12. Um, who's who here? So I'm also interested to know, you can tell me a little about who these mm. people are, but where you met as well, yes. and the story behind that. So obviously yourself, Xiaoyin, who else is in this team? So I met uh, Marie Charlotte. Uh, I call her MC in short, and she calls me XY. You know, it's very hard to pronounce c- yeah. cross-culturally each other's names sometimes. It's quite cool. Yes, and she, I met her at a networking event last year, February, at Found. So we remember, and she remembers the date even of our anniversary. We just celebrated it. <laughs> Great, fantastic. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. And she she is a very, very uh, energetic, passionate, outgoing uh, person and she's very passionate about marketing and also believe in the social impact and mm. the vision and the topic of relationship well-being so when we met we clicked but that was before i would say we uh, the idea even become so much about wellness uh, well-being is more about 
divorce still at that mm. point in time, the pain. But so when we met, we just talk a little, but I really like her energy, you know. It, sometimes it's very intuitive. You you, you mm. love the person, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we only connected in June when I was leave, contemplating leaving my corporate job for starting up the startup. And I want to build a team. And that's when the first person that came to mind when it comes to doing something creative, marketing, was her. Mm. Mm. So I reached out to her. Her and background was in marketing and agencies? Yes, that's right. Um, she is uh, very, very ambitious. Um, even at a young age, she has quite a great experience and exposure in marketing. And of course, she wants to look into more of uh, the meaning also in what she's doing, what she's promoting using her expertise. So mm -hmm. that's what I really, really like and love about her. But the CTO struggle is a little bit uh, <laughs> difficult, you yeah, know. It's we not, hear it all the time. Yes. How do you find your tech team? Yeah. Um, and it's very difficult to to build it in-house, especially in Singapore when the talents are cost, yeah. costly and you, you may not know where to find the right people to join a startup, especially. So I was really fortunate to meet Ronnie only about less than two months ago, actually. Um, so he only became our former CEO in a month. I mean, a month ago, uh, CTO. So I, I, I think I really um, appreciate the fact that I was going out to meet a lot of different people, and he was introduced to me by uh, uh, somebody else. is a very young uh, guy who is very into the startup industry. He's very smart and. Uh, he introduced Ronnie to me because he knows that we were looking for a CTO for a long time. What was his background, Ronnie? So Ronnie was a serial entrepreneur as well. And he had his fair share of struggle as mm. a startup uh, founder for the four different startups and CTO in uh, various startups he's doing. So currently he has two other tech companies in his portfolio. Um, but he has a lot uh, more time to actually want to focus on reset mm. and um, bring it to a very, very, um, I would say, amazing kind of a vision to realize it. Mm. So his background, he was, uh, he was. So, uh, I totally should have brought him to introduce his story. But it's very amazing. He came from an engineering background, a family in Germany, and then he had a worldly exposure. Spent a lot of time also in Shanghai. And then we have a Shanghai connection. That's what we say. Because yeah. I was born in Shanghai and he, he spent quite a lot of time and loved that city. And uh, then we connected. And also the fact that he had went through a lot of setup experience, is very well networked in industry. And his um, expertise in tech in, in terms of machine learning as well as blockchain. Those buzzwords, I know I shouldn't be talking about it if not not, not a tech person, but he's like, you know, you have me now, so you can totally right. talk about it. So it's he's great. He's up to date, basically. Yes, That's what yes. we want to know. Yeah. All right, so you've got the, the, the founding team, the power team, as you call it there. So th there's three of you. So there's three of you full-time in the business? Ye yes. And is there anybody yes. else involved at the moment? Or is this, this oh, is then the, the we beginning. are just totally leveraging our interns. Right, okay, fine. Yeah. So you've got the outsourcing <laughs> and the interns and so on, but th this is the, the main gig at yes. the moment, you three. And in terms of the funding up until now, you've, you're founder funded, have you done a friends and family round? What are your plans next as well? So the next plan is to go for the seat round when yeah. we launch the app. And uh, we, we, I mean, the seat round is, uh, we are looking at 1 million. We are looking mm. at using it to actually even prepare to launch in um, other markets, not just Singapore, because... Uh, what we have so far have already carried us quite a bit to where we are to be yeah. able to launch in Singapore. 
then we are really looking at uh, making sure that the, the, we we do the Singapore market well with the C funding as well as to take it uh, to bigger markets. Okay, so you're mm. gonna your next stage is a seed round. One million is that sing sing, sing dollars? dollars? Okay, yes. so one million. When are you opening around roughly? I don't want to yeah, commit no, you right sure. now or yeah. now unless you're actually ready for it. But bearing in mind this is March as well, so yes. do you have a plans to open around? Yes, I do have the plan to do it uh, around June because yeah. our app, if we launch in May, then we will have some time to actually prove the traction. Yeah, uh, and it will be great for us to have that proof and to then talk about valuation um, but even before that I think um, in in between this period I, I'm still open to angel investment as well Absolutely, yeah. um, because so far we have one angel who really believed in what we do and you know it's like totally just for the social impact and what the vision you have and the fact that I know you I want to invest in this mm. I don't care. Give me whatever I yeah. you know. So it's a that's a real angel, right? yeah, real angel. Okay, so yeah. you, uh, you just so I understand because it's important. I mean, roughly, it's second quarter seed round. Maybe you know it's going to move around that date because it's tied yes. to your launch as well. Yeah, um, you, roughly a sing dollars one million that will change as well potentially. But you put your marker out there. Yeah. Um, what happens now? I think from now until the raise is conversations with people who a they may come on as advisors at this stage and later yes. be an investor or people who may be a potential investor but they may say okay let's see how this goes for the yes. next four months and then you know let's talk about a raise yeah. so now is the chance to put it out there what kind of people do you want to speak to because yes there is money out there that's fine it's not difficult to raise money now yes. especially you know we've seen some big seed raises in the last few weeks as well yeah. so a million is not out of the the you know the the yeah. parameters of the average raise at the yes. moment um smart money what kind of backgrounds do you want the investors to bring is it particular domain expertise is it particular industry sector that you would want somebody to come and bring some contacts for you yes i think we are really open to advisors and expertise from different areas because that's Ultimately, there's a lot of things we need, right? A lot of kind of help. And fundamentally, I guess it will be the fact that the investors believe in what we do, the value we are creating, and also the, the social um, meaning in what we, mm. what we do. I think that is important because that is something I think that is going to tie everybody together on this journey yeah yes absolutely yeah, yeah. and they've yeah. got to be on board with the vision right yeah exactly that's the most important thing yeah. so you're open to conversations now yes of course from people all different backgrounds yes okay fantastic well Xiaoyin um, I think it's uh, a brave move that you've taken having been into entrepreneurship once gone back into the, the world of salaried life yes then come back because you're obviously driven by something yes. it's obviously a calling which is, you know, taking you beyond, out of your comfort zone, right, to yeah. go and do something like this. Yeah. You put a team together. Um, you're at the very early stages yes. of the, the, you know, the growth of Reset. And, you, you know, there will be changes along the way, the yes, pivots, as they call course. them now. Um, but that's all part of it as well. So um, I imagine as well, beyond the actual investment side, the big challenge for you is talent, is 
I find that startup founders who sit there mm. raising money is, you know, now that's becoming a lot easier, but mm. finding people yeah. who want to work for startups in a city like Singapore, where, you know, you can go and work for a law firm or a Roger yeah. and Tan, or you can work for a DBS yeah. for twice as much money. Mm. Um, so finding talent is going to be a challenge. Are you, I, I guess in, you know, around your raise, you're going to be recruiting as well. Yeah. So what kind of people are you interested in being part of your power team? So what kind of skill sets, what kind of mindsets are you looking for as right. well? I think more than skill set is the mindset. Um, surprisingly, I think I'm very lucky to be surrounded with people with fantastic mindset. And especially, I wouldn't say it's all young, but I would say there are more increasingly, I, I meet a lot of amazing young people mm. around me with all, all this uh, passion for doing something meaningful from the very beginning of their career. So that could be a good news for all the startups out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at the same time, people with domain knowledge or industry dropouts, so to speak, or mm. corporate dropouts, yeah, could be very good uh, people because they have uh, the experience they have the network and they know what they want mm. and they're seeking something else and with their skills expertise to bring on board at the same time this need for meaning is a great fit for what we are doing yeah um fundamentally we we do have a culture from day one because i think when i left the corporate world uh, to create something of my own i asked myself the question what kind of thing i want to create what kind of team i want to create what kind of organization it will be right that's a crucial question so culture was important from day one and we do believe in three key things one is about of course the meaning that we create mm. and the other is about the fact that the journey you got to enjoy it even though it could be really up and really down but you got to enjoy this journey. Um, otherwise, you're wasting your life. And last but not least, we want to be true to ourselves and to others. And that's how we want to deal with each other. Mm. So when we, whether we are building a team or we're building a product or we are working with partners, we look at these three things um, as the basic of what we want in our team. And I even have a tagline for it. It's called, have, have we met, right? M-E-T. Mm. So meaning, enjoy, and true. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So, well thought through. I mean, it's, it's so important because I, I, I wonder, Sharon, is that there are probably lawyers listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably thinking, maybe you know, and yeah. they, it's a challenge because I guess I mean th this sort of comes full circle to how all this conversation started as well, is that if I'm a lawyer, then it's not just my life. It's also you know my family have invested my education and they mm -hmm. want me to become a lawyer and. You know, I, I really like the idea. I love, you know, this story. I love what Reset are doing and I'd love to be part of this, right? But I can't leave this well-paid job and, you know, all the reputation of my professional career. And, mm. you know, they put me through law school and all that sort yes. of stuff. What, do you, what would you say to people like that who are staring out the window and thinking about what you've done and you've made that move? And they may be thinking not just about working with somebody like you, but also, you know, maybe thinking about doing something like this themselves, you know, going mm. and doing something with their lives, right? right? So how would you appeal to those people thinking? Because that's a real trap to be in, isn't it? It is. I, I do have friends like that too. Mm, I bet. And, uh, <laughs> how do you advise them? <laughs> I wouldn't advise them to take the same route as I have taken because clearly everybody has their own path, own circumstances. And 
it is really not easy. I, in fact, if I knew it's this hard, I might have <laughs> thought again about this before I started. Um, but I have no regrets. I think it's also how you manage uh, your life, the different aspects. How do you prioritize them? How do you, I would say, balance it out? Um, maybe for somebody, it could be a step at a time. Rather than just jump completely into the startup world and uh, chasing this romantic ideal of a startup, yeah. Maybe for others, it will be taking something more drastic because the opportunity cost may not be as high as you think. Um, when uh, I decided to do this, my ex CEO from my JV company, who is a very inspiring leader as well. She has given me a whole uh, list, reading list of startup literature to prepare me for what is coming ahead, which I, I went through and it's all talking about grit and how do you like go the low, lowest lows and how do you overcome that. Um, I thought I have been through quite some ups and downs in my life. I should be able to deal with that. You know, I went through private practice. I had done all this long hours, hard work is not a problem. But man, I mean, this, I, I still think like, no, this is not what I imagined it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And when I look back at her advice, I think she had asked me this question What's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is I could fail again and I could start from ground zero, or not ground zero, actually. I would still just pick up where I left in mm. the corporate job. Maybe just take one step back or two, but it's okay. And you still will be having a good life. You know, what is the worst case scenario? Yeah. Uh, so. It's not as scary as I thought it was, right? Uh, like another failure, yes, it does take time to recover. But at this stage in my life, if I don't try it, I know I will regret it. Mm. So that's why I took the, the leap of faith. But for others, maybe there are other things to consider. So you really got to think, what is your life path? What works for you? What gives you the optimum or the maximum happiness? Yeah. Great. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did take the leap of faith and you're here now. So. Thank you. Xiaoyin Shen, everybody, uh, founder of Reset, and uh, you know, wishing you all the best. Thank you with the journey. From Thank it you. is going to be a journey. We know it that is. you've already set it out. It's <laughs> not going to go all to plan. No, we know that much, no, yeah. and it's not going to all go in a straight line. Yeah, but you've already set yourself up to understand that you know some yes. days are up, some days are down. Yes, it's all part of it. Um, I hope that goes really well for you. Thank you, and really enjoyed listening to your story as well it's inspiring and hopefully Thank you've inspired you. a few people as well planted a few seeds in the minds of lawyers out there you, you know to do something right yes. you know like at a young age to realize that as well it's mm. great you know and i'm sure the people thinking yeah you know maybe i should do something maybe do like you did or it maybe take half a step, as you say, yeah. in the right direction. So thanks for sharing that with us, that inspirational message. Xiao Yin Shen, everybody, reset. And what is the easiest way for people to reach out for you? How do you like people to contact you? Um, by email or even phone is okay. Phone, okay. Yeah. Oh, LinkedIn, does that work Yeah, LinkedIn. You? All right, so if you're active on LinkedIn, we'll put the details there so sure. people see your profile. And so on. Xiao Yin Shen, everybody, reset. Thanks so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.